The Anton Savage Show Sunday. Brought to you by PwC. Combining talent and technology, we're hardwired to find solutions. On News Talk. This week saw a historic global conference on AI uh, risks and to some extent opportunities. It culminated in the Bletchley Declaration signed and sealed by more than 25 nations. And it it comes after um, ChatGPT launched and we were told that effectively every white collar job on the planet was going to be taken over by it. And it is the end of the week where Elon Musk's um, AI platform XAI has launched Musk, of course, being one of the people who has been most vocal about the impact of AI. So we thought it best to talk to somebody who knows his onions when it comes to that. He's Professor Barry O'Sullivan, Director of the Insight Centre for Data Analytics and Professor of AI at University College Cork. He's also the EU Artificial Intelligence Association uh, recipient of the Distinguished Service Award and the man who was at the forefront of writing what became the EU law on AI, the EU Commission High-Level Expert Group on AI. Good morning, Barry. Good morning, Anton. How are you? I'm very good. Barry, can you take us through, first of all, the the immediate impact that we're going to see? Because ChatGPT, as the one that is most recognised, and now the, uh, the Musk X version of this, we are told effectively that if you're a copywriter, if you're a journalist, if you uh, are a middle manager, if you do presentations for a living, any of those kind of things you're going to have your job taken by these. Well, um, let, let me begin by saying people should relax that most of this is not going to happen. Um, so let me, t- let me tell you what I mean by that. So first of all, AI technology certainly has been um, progressing at enormous pace. Everybody hears about ChatGPT, an amazing um, uh, advance in many respects. And the ChatGPT app itself, the system itself was um, adopted, was the fastest growing uh, the fastest adopted technology ever. I think. Um, I think the, the number of the, the number of hours to get to you know millions of users was was the was the shortest in history. Um, and certainly, it's very it's an amazing piece of technology. You can ask it. To, you can ask these generative AI question, uh, systems to write you a story, produce an image, produce a movie, and they can do it at breakneck speed. And it's hard to distinguish it between. Uh, something that's been generated by one of these AI systems and something that's been generated by a human being. However, these things are not intelligent. They don't have any understanding of the world in the way that any of us, any of the listeners, in fact, any of our pet cats and dogs, in fact. So, you know, these systems give the illusion of intelligence, but they are not intelligent. Now, you ask about jobs. Certainly, technology has always impact on jobs. You know, I'm sure how you carry out your job in the studio right there has changed very much since the days that you started. You know, te- technology allows you to do things maybe at the touch of a button now that maybe it wasn't so easy to do it maybe, you know, w- when you started out, maybe it was a bit more involved. But um, I think people move with their jobs. You know, I think, you know, people become skilled um, in other ways. And of course, people move on to other jobs, new jobs that are created by the technology. So I think... But, but go back for a bit then, Barry, for, yeah, you, 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 where you say about the thing of it not being um, intelligent in and of itself, is that of necessity uh, a significant issue or is it somewhat moot? I mean, if you take, for instance, what, what XAI are saying about theirs is that it will not only is it a... a gleaning from multiple sources like the internet, but it's doing it in real time because it has access to the entirety of Twitter. Mm -hmm. So it waddles and quacks, according to them, like intelligence and has the capacity to deliver people's jobs for them, according to them. Does it matter if it's actually intelligent? 
Well, it does. It does matter if, if it's actually intelligent. I, a, a good analogy here is, um, you know, how many of us have have actually gone on the internet to diagnose ourselves? You know, we have a, we have some symptoms, and we stick them into Google, and we search for it, and we discover, oh my God, we ha- I seem to have this terminal illness. Um, and then you go to someone who is an expert in the field. You go to your GP, and a GP tells you, well, no, what happened? Actually, you know what you need? You need to exercise more. You need to take a vitamin. You know, so um, the, the the difference between having access to information and being able to summarize information is not the same as understanding what it is that you're reading and being able to apply it reasonably and accurately and safely. And most of these AI systems, well, there are no AI systems in the world that have any form of common sense in that way. And that is important because, you know, how we, like, while access to information gets us, you know, a lot of the way to answering the question, it doesn't get us all the way to answering the question. And sometimes the the things that we need to be most careful about are the things that are most impactful on us. But and AI systems, I would not be relying on them um, to make the the most significant decisions about us, or for example, about our health and about our well being. Um, and there's some things that AI systems just simply can't do at all, which might surprise you, which we might get onto. Well, before we do, if if oddly this week, Beatles new album or new uh, single now and then, because they were able to use AI to strip, or so we're told, they were able to yeah. use AI to strip. John Lennon's vocal away from the uh, piano that was in the background, clean it up and then to make that pure so that it could be added to the rest of the Beatles. So what you have there is an entirely false recording that mm-hmm. sounds absolutely real unless you know the background to it. Now that's remarkable power and it's a remarkable capacity to be able to craft what seems real to the external viewer or listener. It is indeed. And what's really important, what you've said, is the, is the seeming to be real. Now, um, how do you deal with these types of things where, you know, the, the world is being sort of um, populated by things that are not quite real? Um, so how do you how do you live in that world? Well, in the EU, what's happening is there's a, a new piece of regulation being introduced. Um, it's the final, the final do- crosses to the I's and the dots to the I's and the J's are happening as we speak, um, called the AI Act. And the AI Act will require that any content that is presented to us that has been touched by AI, that that will be declared to us. So you will know immediately when you see an image on Instagram or you'll hear a recording on Spotify or you'll hear it on the internet, that there will be a marker to say that this is not real content. This content has been produced artificially um, or at least modified artificially by some form of AI system or tool. And that, that at least will help people be able to distinguish between what is real and what is not real. Because I think in a highly technological world, what we do have to figure, what we do have to understand is where our information and our news is coming from. Where's our content coming from? And that's that's good old fashioned, you know, provenance and trust. You know, we, we when we hear Anton on the radio, when he's speaking, when he's giving a view, you know that this is the view of this individual. And this, you know, and if if for God God forbid there's a there's an AI clone of of Anton, that clone is going to have to say, well, I'm not Anton. I'm an AI system that pretends to be Anton and then we can modify how As if this whole area was not horrifying enough, Barry. (laughs) Now, if I know anything from uh, about science, uh, it's rooted entirely on on dystopian science fiction movies and books. And one of the things that always happens when you look at artificial intelligence, and this has been the reality since Asimov, is that everybody gets crept up on by it, that you take it all for granted and suddenly before you know it, you're enslaved by the machines. So if we're not in a position where there is an immediate threat to our jobs this year, what of the exponential advances that are likely to come in the area and how can we be confident that we won't all be run by AI in 10 years? Okay, so there's never been a technology that's that's uh, eliminated um, uh, more jobs than it has created. Jobs have always been created by AI. So for example, in ChatGPT a year ago, 
nobody would have heard of a, uh, a prompt engineer. So a prompt engineer is, is not, in my view, not the most exciting job in the world, but it is a new title job. That's the person who figures out well how to pose the questions to these generative AI systems to get the answer that you want. I'm just simply pointing out that this is a job that never existed before. Um, so, you know, in the future, as we, um, um, the, like, AI has always captured the imagination as a negative technology, as one, as one that's out to get us in some way, get our, you know, out to kill us, out to take our jobs, out to enslave us. But if you look at, like, everybody listening to this program today has probably already come in contact with multiple AI systems. They might have decided that they're going to turn on a movie streaming service this morning, or they're, they're listening to an audio, a music streaming service, or they might have checked email. All of these systems have been touched in some way by, by AI. The smartphone but in some instances, there, I mean, there's a good... People use it all the time. Sorry to cut in, Barry, but there's a good instance of it. There are people who would have been touched by AI systems, who would have, those systems would have channeled funneled and altered their view of reality because they would have fed them what they believe is objective news that everybody else is seeing, but it's actually a tailored version of reality designed to stimulate the most negative in them without ever saying, by the way, this is what's happening to you. Indeed. And and, and this is, yeah, so these types of what we call personalization technologies that, that serve you up content based on what you've liked already. And so it gives you more of the same. And so it creates that echo chamber and makes you think that the world sort of looks and uh, looks and sounds and thinks the way you do. This is a serious issue. Now, this is a slightly different issue. This is an issue that we have to deal with, not only with AI, but other technologies. But, but, but it does point to one of the things we really need to get right. And that is how do we, um, how do we get you know, everybody up to, the, up to a level where they can have this realization that by inter- that what's happening in the system is the following. What I'm seeing here is information like this because that's how that system works. I think we have to get people up to a level of skill and understanding, maybe not to understand how AI systems are built. We don't want everybody to become a computer scientist, but we do need people to, I suppose, you know, be sufficiently educated and trained and comfortable with the new information technology that is AI and understand, well, what does it mean? And how do I, how do I navigate that? What do, you know, what happens with my personal data? What, what happens with, um, when I'm on a social media platform and I see some content I don't like, how can I, how can I actually retrain it a little bit? How can I say, well, I don't like seeing that kind of stuff and I don't want to see that kind of stuff. So Final we need thing to get people right. up to a level of skill, you know, everybody, I mean, like the you know, ordinary, ordinary person on the streets, you know, uh, people in, Office jobs, people teaching, people, you know, out in the construction industry, everybody has to become in some way skilled in interacting and using this technology. Okay. So it's all about education, in my, in my view. Explain one thing to me then in, in conclusion. Sure. Elon Musk, who we know is rarely wrong about anything, has been tweeting a lot or Xing <laughs> or whatever is the proper term in the recent years. <laughs> about AI and he has been saying, this is a man who has made uh, very prescient, I mean, facetious in society, he's made very prescient calls about the things of like the future of the payments industry. He made very prescient calls about the future of EV and was in there ahead of everybody. And the call that he's now making is that AI is a huge threat and people are missing it. How is he wrong? So I think, um, well... Um, I, I must say, you know, absolutely. Elon Musk is an is an enormously successful person, um, and has you know done, done fantastically well. One might question how he's been dealing with Twitter slash X and so on, and some of his political views are a bit wild. But there's no doubting that the man is successful. Absolutely, far more successful than I am. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't mean that he has a monopoly on the truth and a monopoly on what's right. Now, I think he is. I think 
for various reasons, there is in the world of AI, there are the sort of uh, the sense that AI is a risk. We've, we've, we've talked about some of the risks. And of course, there are risks. Um, the question is, though, what are the real likely risks and what are the sort of fantastic and science fiction and dystopian risks out into the future? And I think Musk is very much thinking um, about the long term, like what are the really extraordinary things that could happen, you know, in the future? What is the what's what does what does the abyss look like? Um, but I think and, you know, th there are certainly issues that need to be discussed. And they were mainly the focus of the AI summit in Bletchley last week. And main, mainly the reason that so many nations could sign this declaration that they're talking about things that are just so sort of science fiction and um, long term that, you know, there's nothing to lose in agreeing, in agreeing to the statement. However, the, for me, the real risks with AI are the things that impact us today. The things you mentioned earlier, how do we make sure that people are not getting overly personalized news and hearing political views that are just totally and only uh, related to theirs. So how, how do we make sure that people are getting the information that's, that they should be getting? And I mean by should, the information that's going to get, allow gotcha. them to interact best with the world. So, but it, also things like how are we going to make sure that AI systems are not biased? How are we going to make sure that they're not making the wrong decisions for us? Very, very ordinary things. But the and sense that I'm getting, Barry, hmm? reading between Sorry? the lines, the sense that I'm getting there for is that we can relax at least in the short to medium term on the whole robots taking over the planet and worry about Absolutely. things like how they're Absolutely. filtering our news. Barry, thank you so much. Barry O'Sullivan, who is um, Professor of AI at UCC, and also he is the man who was responsible for drafting uh, much of the EU's thinking in respect of AI because he was chair, vice chair of the EU Commission High Level Expert Group on AI. The Anton Savage Show. Brought to you by PwC. Sunday mornings from 10. On News Talk.